Growing up, my family had a practice of counting cop cars as we drove. Whether we were going to a Little League game or coming back from a friend's house from across the highway, whenever we passed a car pulled over, my dad always made a habit of pointing out the ratio of police patrol vehicles to civilian cars during the stop. It always seemed a little absurd to us as we drove by. Two, three, sometimes even four patrol cars to one motorist. At the time, boredom, as opposed to backup, seemed like the obvious explanation for all the fuss and flashing lights in Bordentown. But on this night, January 17th, 2018, years later, as my father and I shivered up to the entrance of my former high school, we noticed that that ratio had been flipped on its head. The parking lot was full. A community had come looking for answers from its cops. My name is Grant Hill, and this is Stay the Fuck Out of Bordentown. stress also that although I'm sure that the events that precipitated this meeting uh, may come up, um, there is still an ongoing legal matter at hand, and the township cannot go into any detail about those events. That's Michael Theokas, Bordentown Township's township administrator. He's standing behind a podium on stage in the school's auditorium. To his left is a panel consisting of two mayors, both in black suits, and two police chiefs one in a green uniform, the other in a blue one. All the men are seated, leaning forward, pressing their forearms against the table with their hands clasped. All are white. So is, uh, we're moving forward. We're going to try not to look back. We're trying to move forward. And I'm going to ask you to please keep your comments focused on our community and what we need to do and what we want to do in the future to improve our communities. Like Theokas said, this panel on stage would discuss the future with the community rather than the past. Where Bordentown was heading, rather than what brought Bordentonians to where they were now, murmuring and scattered randomly among the descending auditorium seats. That was really the only option those officials on stage had, Theokas told the crowd. It was the option the township's legal counsel had advised them to take, as the past was still being litigated. But that hadn't stopped other prominent panels from weighing in before them. Let's discuss now uh, this story with CNN legal analyst Mark O'Mara, Cedric Alexander, the former president of the National Organization of Black Law Executives. Federal investigators have charged former Bordentown police chief Frank Nussera with a hate crime assault and depriving an 18-year-old African-American man his civil rights. Good evening, gentlemen. Neil, to you first. The description of his behavior in this complaint is horrific. There are three steps to the proverbial ticking time bomb. The ticks, the explosion, and the aftermath. Right now, Bordentown as a community was left in that third step, huddled together, wondering exactly what had just happened, how, and why. That bomb was Police Chief Frank M. Nucera Jr. And on September 1st, 2016, he exploded. Communications. Hi, this is uh, Terry at the Ramada in Bordentown. Mm-hmm. Terry Cohen, the general manager of the Ramada Inn in Bordentown Township, 
Calls 911 a few minutes before 7 p.m. And um, I need an officer here. I had an incident where uh, they're still here, where someone took a room last night, slept in it, did not pay for it, and now he's on property still. Where are they on the property right now? Um, I believe they're out by the pool. The last hour of sunlight fills the overcast clouds like paper lanterns over the grassy area in the back of the hotel where the pool is. Listen, this person, what are they wearing? Well, he's in a bathing suit. He's in the pool right now. Black male, white male? Yeah, black male. Okay. She's describing 18-year-old Timothy Stroy. He, along with a 16-year-old girl, is swimming in the hotel's outdoor pool. Cohen tells the operator they never paid for their stay. About how tall? Maybe five, five, two. So he's tiny? He's short. Is he taller than you? He looks like he has... No, he's not. And we're about the same height, about five, two. Okay. He's a scar on his face, too. All right. All right. Uh, Call us back on 911 if uh, he becomes combative or anything. But for right now, just leave him where he is so the police get there and they can handle it. 32 units, Ramada in uh, at the pool for disorderly subjects. Was told to leave the property, black male, dark bathing suit, approximately 5'2". Lieutenant Sean Mount responds to the hotel first. Then another, Detective Sergeant Sal Guido, arrives as backup soon after. Guido told the FBI that when he arrived, Stroy and the girl were in the lobby of the hotel with Lieutenant Mount. The girl, according to Guido, suddenly became uncooperative made a run for a staircase leading up to the second floor. Back up! Give me back up! Mount was, quote, scuffling with the girl in the stairwell when Stroy attempted to pull Mount off of her. Guido tries to subdue Stroy, then, at some point, switches places with Mount so that now Sergeant Guido was attempting to arrest the girl and Lieutenant Mount was on Stroy. Guido claims that during this time, Stroy had punched Mount multiple times in his stomach. There are no references to this particular incident in the segments that have been released of Timothy Stroy's FBI interview. But in the segments that have, Stroy claims that once he was handcuffed, one officer, quote, placed a knee on his face and pressed it down, unquote, and claimed another did the same to one of his kidneys. 32 units, copy 32, zero. More units, The officers call for backup. One by one, officers respond. They're en route. Dashcam video shows two officers, a K-9 unit, cutting short a pat-down by a 7-Eleven. They rush back to their car. One officer, back at the police station, is seen on another dashcam sprinting to his patrol car, opening the driver's side door with one hand, holding an assault rifle with the other. beginning to drizzle outside. Officers arrive and scurry around near the pool in the back of the hotel, confused. There's no one there. Zero five or 50, what's your location? I'm upstairs, upstairs, second floor. They rush to the second level, passing through the frame of the dash cam as they do so. One person in particular stands out through the whipping windshield wipers of the patrol car. His pink dress shirt seems out of step with the sidearm at his hip. It's 59-year-old Bordentown Township Police Chief Frank M. Nucera, Jr. Type of injury? 
An ambulance is called to the scene for Lieutenant Mount, who's aggravated an old injury during all the wrestling. I believe back. Back injury, back pain. From court documents and officer testimony, exactly what transpired next is a little unclear. As it stands, it's uncertain whether surveillance footage of the incident from the Ramada exists at all, and officers didn't wear body cameras at the time. The chief was allegedly, quote, totally against them, according to one officer. But here's what we can piece together from the FBI report and officer interviews. Stroy, still wet from the pool, was pepper sprayed during the struggle, and now both he and the girl were handcuffed with the help of at least four additional officers on the second floor. Minutes later, after bringing out the girl first, the officers would try to lead Stroy, now complying, back down the steps and outside to a patrol car. By then, at least six police vehicles had arrived in the back of the Ramada, not all from Bordentown Township. In the hallway, Detective Sergeant Sal Guido interlocked arms with Stroy, guiding him from the side and pushing him from behind. Bordentown City Officer Simmons was now to their left, and Bordentown Township Officer Nagel in front of them all. Behind Guido and Stroy was Bordentown Township Officer Nathan Rohr, keeping pace, and Chief Nucera behind all of them. As the three approached the stairwell, Stroy stopped to, quote, loudly complain, unquote, according to the FBI. In an interview over two months later with the Philadelphia Inquirer, Stroy maintained that he was not resisting. He said he was asthmatic and choking because of the pepper spray. Suddenly, Police Chief Nucera, according to the officers, swept in from behind the three and made a move for Stroy. Officer Rohr says the chief, quote, smashed his head into the door jam, unquote, separating the hallway and the stairwell. Rohr described the sound of Stroy's head hitting the metal to the FBI as a, quote, loud thud, unquote. The dashcam footage shows Stroy approaching the police vehicle that would eventually take him back to the station, where he would go on to be treated for a concussion. It's pouring now, and Stroy, still shirtless and shoeless, is escorted through the rain-soaked parking lot to the back seat by Detective Guido and Officer Nagel. Sergeant Rohr follows from behind. Are all 32 units clear from the Ramada? Is anybody out there? All units are clear from the Ramada. In court documents, Nucera's attorney, Rocco Ciparone Jr., cast doubt on how Stroy and the FBI characterized that afternoon at the Ramada, and whether it was actually Nucera who assaulted Stroy. His attorney says that Detective Guido originally told the FBI he wasn't sure exactly what happened, and it wasn't until speaking with Sergeant Rohr that he changed his story. But more on that in a later episode. I reached out to speak with Stroy and his family and got in touch with his mother, Felicia, but she was reluctant and ultimately stopped getting back to me. In November 2017, just a couple weeks after the FBI had released its formal indictment of Nucera, Stroy spoke with the Philadelphia Inquirer. I said I wasn't resisting. I wasn't resisting. I wasn't rowdy. It wasn't, it was not like I was a threat. I was no threat to them. I wasn't, I wasn't doing that. I wasn't no threat. I wasn't too aggressive, anything. I mean, if anything, it was more attention and aggression towards me than anything else. 
Stroy told the Inquirer that he was at the Ramada for a birthday celebration with his aunt and uncle, his cousins, and his girlfriend. He said his aunt and uncle had, in fact, paid for a two-bedroom suite for everyone, and that hotel manager Terry Cohen had been mistaken when she called the cops accusing him and his girlfriend of stealing a room. According to the Inquirer, Stroy said he was charged with theft, resisting arrest, and assault on an officer for the incident at the Ramada. His bail was set at $7,500. Unable to post it, Stroy ended up spending three weeks in jail. While he was there, his father, who was 43, died of a heart attack. Stroy's mother told the Inquirer that the day he learned of his father's death was the worst day of her son's life. The second worst day, she said, was September 1st, 2016, at the Ramada Inn. Man, I ain't gonna say it's good, but it's like something needs to get done about it anyway. So if it took for me to be a victim to bring justice, then I ain't gonna say I regret it. I just wish it could have transpired differently. Hope that justice might prevail, it seemed, was just about all Stroy had left from that day. But to him, even that appeared futile. No, no disrespect towards y'all, but I don't really see anybody doing anything to him or he really getting child or anything like that. Feel me? So, but basically it was just like, um, I feel as though he was just... Now it's not about the situation, it's just like he was do whatever he wants. And who could blame him for feeling like that? As brutal as Nucera's actions were alleged to be, would they really be enough for the FBI to indict him for a hate crime, what he was now being charged with? An offense hinged on proving the motivating hatred in the offender's heart? In the same era as the violence against and killings of countless young unarmed black men by police all over the country, like Michael Brown, Tamir Rice, and Stefan Clark, is that enough to bring up any charges at all? Would that even be enough to pack a high school auditorium for a community meeting on a brutally cold night in suburban New Jersey over a year later? No. That alone would not have been enough to bring Bordentown to where it was now. mayors and, and chiefs. So at this point, um, welcome anyone to please uh, step up to the microphone right in front here. Um, just kindly state your name and address uh, for our records. And then again, Gary Wheelock, a white man from Bordentown Township, is the first resident to take the microphone. Issue. I, I'd like to, to point out that, that our good police officers were placed in a very tenuous position careers, money, families, it was very tough. And they still did a great job during this period in uh, 2017, and I thank you very much. It's a job. Wheelock isn't referring to the incident at the Ramada here. In fact, that incident would barely be mentioned at all during the course of the meeting. Wheelock wanted to address something else. The FBI's not-so-secret weapon in the case against Nucera. The recordings.
Beginning in 2015, Sergeant Nathan Rohr, the officer that over a year later would witness Troy's alleged assault, started documenting the behavior of his chief, encouraging other officers to follow suit as well. One kept notes on his phone. Another ordered a small USB drive from Amazon that doubled as a recording device. New hires were instructed to keep notes on Nucera, a form of what officers in the documents refer to as the abbreviation CYA, or cover your ass. Quietly, a tiny rebellion had begun within the township municipal building basement, where the police station is located. At least nine officers, out of almost 25 at the time, had meticulously documented Nucera's actions, including hundreds of hours of audio conversations recorded over two years. And those words, at least those referenced by the FBI in the indictment, paint a disturbing picture of the chief. Racial slurs. According to the complaint in 2015, while talking to an officer about an African American who allegedly slashed the tires of a police vehicle, Nucera said, I wish that nigga would come back from Trenton and give me a reason to put my hands on him. I tired of them. These niggas are like ISIS. They have no value. They should line them all up and mow them down. I like to be on the firing squad. I could do it. A quick side note here. That was Roland S. Martin reading a quote from a transcript of one of those recordings of Nucera. Martin is the host of The Roland S. Martin Show, a talk show on his YouTube channel, one of the outlets that covered Nucera when news of his indictment first broke. The FBI has not released any of the audio recordings of Nucera to the public, just an assortment of selected quotes written in their court filings. And while it's important to shine light on and confront exactly the kind of hate that brews below our nation's surface, or in this case, allegedly under its town halls, as Martin just did, I'm going to opt to censor Nucera's quotes here when I read them. With that out of the way, let's get into some more of exactly what was recorded and documented. Throughout the court documents, Nucera was alleged to be racist and or derogatory toward just about any and every ethnicity, race, or identity excluding straight white people, though he especially targeted black people. He would yell obscenities at both citizens and officers. His rants could be triggered at any time for any reason, ranging from insensitive to explicitly and violently racist. He frequently referred to black people as, quote, you people, out-of-towners, and the N-word. He often referred to black children as, quote, Moulinians, unquote. For this reason, some officers dreaded when Nucera responded to calls involving people of color in Bordentown, a community that was mostly white. According to FBI interviews, during one incident, Nucera even asked one of his department's two black officers to get in a photo with him to, quote, add a little color, unquote. A black officer also told the FBI Nucera told him not to touch a camera during a training exercise so it wouldn't get greasy. But his targets were not confined to the limits of his jurisdiction either, according to officers. In July of 2016, after the killing of five police officers in Dallas, Nucera attended a summit with law enforcement officials and community activists at the White House. Upon his return, Nucera bragged to one officer that he got to see President Obama. He then added, quote, They had this other guest speaker, you know, a real N-word, who spoke about equality, unquote. Nucera clearly did not suspect that his officers were recording him, least of all Sergeant Nathan Rohr. According to one officer's interview, Nucera believed that Rohr was from, quote, the country, unquote, 
and therefore felt like he could speak, quote, freely using racial slurs, unquote, with Roar. And Nucera did that, even just hours after slamming Timothy Stroy's head into the door jam at the Ramada Inn. The following is from a transcript of what the officers told the FBI they recorded of Nucera after finding out Stroy was receiving treatment for head pain. Quote, good, he's lucky that's all he got, unquote. And then, quote, I'm fucking tired of it, man. I'll tell you what, it's getting to the point where I could shoot one of these motherfuckers. I'm going to tell you, Donald Trump is the last hope for white people, because Hillary will give it all to minorities to get a vote. That's the truth. I'm telling you, I think about it more and more. He is. He's the last hope for the fucking white people. Because she got all the seven mothers at the Democratic National Convention saying the police killed my kids, unquote. He rambles on a bit more about Hillary Clinton and conspiracy theories, then adds, quote, he's the last hope for white people. I've been thinking about it more and more. These fucking people, where are they from? From Trenton? Stay, Stay the, the fuck, fuck out of Bordentown, unquote. At the time of this meeting, the identities of the officers who recorded Nucera had not been released. So the first question is, I understand there were some internal officers who allowed justice, we have some justice to start turning here. Are their identities publicly known or, I mean, basically I want to congratulate them. Some residents wanted to know whom to thank. The officers who stood up are heroes. And they do deserve the officers. Others asked who was to blame. So, from my, from my vantage point, as a citizen, we have to hold elected officers accountable for what happened at Boyntown Township. Because they, I mean, they had to know what was going on here. It just seems difficult to comprehend that you have an individual who could rise to that level and no one be aware of his viewpoints about his interactions with people of color. So that's my concern. This bad apple, this bad seed, and like seed, seeds grow and they spread. But we're in office, what's his boss, had authority over him and this stuff was allowed to happen. Nothing's going to change. The sameness is on the stage. So that means the sameness is going to continue because the sameness is already here. But it wasn't just those at the meeting who were concerned about what the township committee knew and when they knew it. When I reached out to Terry Cohen, the Ramada Inn manager, to get her side of the story of what happened that day, she told me she didn't want to talk about it anymore. That the last time she spoke with someone pertaining to the former chief, she was, quote, harassed by the very same people who are on the board, unquote. Those on the committee she meant. She didn't want any trouble, she said. But they must have known what, 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 what he was like and what his feelings were. He started in the township as a patrolman. Now, how he could work all the way up from patrolman to chief to administrator and not nobody, nobody know about how he felt about these various racial situations, to me, is impossible. You gotta understand, Frank, 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 
trouble in Bordentown and what that meant. Next episode. <laughs>